And then I went to Central Asia and we worked with um, refugees that were coming from a country within the Middle East in Central Asia that were coming from that faith background. And we baptized people and people were filled with the Holy Ghost and we were teaching Bible studies to them. And it was in that moment, God spoke to me. He was like, it is, it, it, of course it's possible. Mm. All things are possible. Like, like yeah. my, my word is for everybody. My promise is for everybody. I died for everybody. And it was from that moment that God has kind of just been ordering our footsteps to different countries and different locations that have a large concentration of uh, people of that background. Welcome, everyone. Today, we are blessed to be joined by a special guest that serves in the Middle East. For safety reasons, we are unable to share his name, and this episode will only be released in audio format. We had a great conversation about his life and ministry. We talked about how he became involved in missions, his thoughts on prayer, what it is like serving in his part of the world, why we should be open to following the call of God, and much more. This conversation is sure to be a blessing to you, but I also want to encourage you to share it with a friend so that it can impact even more people. I just wanted to highlight a couple comments on Spotify. I recently discovered that a number of you have been commenting over there on episodes, so we will be sharing them here. This was on episode 139 with our special guest who works in Access Challenge Nations. Of course, we couldn't share her name. But Tabitha said, Love hearing her speak. So down to earth like Greg. Makes me feel like I'm part of the conversation. And Bella commented, I love hearing her. She ministered to me several times, and I was thrilled when my friend sent me this podcast. I'm a Gen Zer, and I can say she was right on point with our biggest hindrance, distraction. Thank you all for following us over there and for taking the time to comment. We are grateful for you, and we hope to interact with you more on that platform. You may be listening, but not following. Following us is the best way to stay connected and to not miss an episode. Just select follow wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, we want to encourage you to rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. It really does help get the podcast out to more people who can be blessed by it. Now, let's get to the conversation. Well, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you, man. It's great to be here. It's a privilege to be with you today, man. It's so good to finally have you on. This is this has been a long time coming, and this is uh, a conversation that I know I'm looking forward to. And uh, if it devolves like many of our conversations, <laughs> the, the audience will get a treat today. <laughs> oh boy! <laughs> Worry. <laughs> no, but it's awesome having you on. And obviously, uh, because of the nature of of uh, where you're serving and, and what you're doing, we can't reveal your name or even. Uh, where you're at, just for your protection. Um, but we do like to start these conversations by giving uh, our guests the opportunity to share a little bit about their background, where they're from, that sort of thing. And that just gives our audience a bit of an idea uh, of where you're coming from. So I know you can't go into great detail, but whatever you are able to share, would, would you mind sharing a little bit about your background? Yeah, for sure. I would say, um, before I jump into that, one very important part of my background is that uh, both my wife and I are big fans of the podcast. <laughs> it's been instrumental in our upbringing and our growth. So uh, <laughs> no, but uh, it's uh, honestly, man, it's thank you so much for having me on. I'm, I'm super excited to be here. Um, 
you're doing a great thing. So this is super exciting. A um, little bit about myself. I was born and raised in Southwestern Ontario, Canada. Um, yeah, uh, born and raised there. My mom was the one, she immigrated to Canada and it was in Canada that she um, came to Christ, got connected to the church. And after I was born, she was the one that brought me into the church. Um, mm. So a lot of my early understanding of the faith, spiritual disciplines, the Bible, a lot of those simple essential building blocks of, of my spiritual life came from my mom. So I want to give credit to her. Um, as I got older, I was involved with a, a mentorship program within our church. That program was a huge blessing for me. Um, I'm sure at times I was a curse to my mentor. <laughs> I, I wasn't, I wasn't the easiest person to mentor at times, but, uh, <laughs> I, it was very instrumental, uh, as I got older, as I got, as I developed more within this calling that God had for my life, um, that person was instrumental in leading me, discipling me, and challenging me. And then later on, I would go to post-secondary. I would study electrical engineering. Um, and after that, I would work for a couple years uh, in that field. Um, during that time, I would get married to my amazing wife. And shortly after we got married, uh, we would transition into full-time on-the-field ministry, which we've wow. been serving in for just over, I would say, about three years now at this point wow that's awesome and so uh, pretty pretty quick i guess in in the development process like you it's not like it, uh, this took years and years and years before you had sort of gotten onto the field a bit is that true um i would say it is a bit of a process <laughs> at times um so what i like to say is i started this process um started with my mentorship at, right. at church and so that so, would have been as like a teenager yeah it was actually more as a preteen um, okay oh wow okay. uh yeah so like it was basically a small group of young guys that felt like they had a call into ministry and our senior pastor had a vision they're like you know what we need to pour into these guys so we're gonna us myself the speaking for the senior pastor and the youth pastor at the time was like we're just gonna take these guys under our wings and we're gonna pour into them and that went on for quite a few years. Um, it wouldn't be until a couple years, many years later, my first year of college that I would take an exploratory trip to South Asia that would be, mm -hmm. uh, would really define a burden in my life. And then later on, I would take another longer term trip into Central Asia. Um, but then, but yeah, once, once I started going on, on these short term mission trips, things really started uh, moving along. How uh, early would you say did you feel that that burden for the field? Was that something that you would have felt as a preteen teen, or was this something that crystallized after that initial trip you were just mentioning? Yeah, you know, I would say like I my this initial calling. Let's call it my initial calling. Um, it happened when I was about twelve, twelve or thirteen years old, and it happened at a local youth convention. Mm -hmm. Um, and basically what happened was I'm at this youth convention. I can't remember exactly what the speaker was talking about, but I do remember, um, his appeal, his altar appeal. And he said something along the lines of, um, this is an opportunity for you. If you feel like you want to serve God more, if you want to go beyond your comfort zone, 
then come up to the front. This will be like your step of faith to come up to the front and to make yourself available to whatever God wants to do in your life. And at that specific time in my life, um, I really struggled with fear. I was wrestling with anxiety. I was in my head, always thinking about what other people would think that I was doing, think about what I was doing, how, if I said something, if I did something, how that would affect. So I was very much in my head and very much wrapped by anxiety. And in that moment, in that altar call, um, I remember I was standing with my friends. I was in the, the aisle, a couple, many, many rows back. And I was like, I can't live like this. Mm. And I certainly don't want to live um, for God like this within this little box of, of fear. So I was like, you know what? Let's just do this. I'm just going to take a step of faith. I'm going to step out from my, from my, my aisle. I'm going to go up to the front. I'm going to pray. And that's going to be my, my walk. That's going to be my step of faith. And I remember walking up to the front, finding a little quiet corner. And as I started to pray, God began to speak with me um, with this initial calling. Uh, I remember he said, I'm calling you to go to places that nobody wants to go and to say things that nobody wants to say. And it, yeah, it was, it was very profound for me, 12 years old. Um, the fact that the, the the fact that you were wrestling with that, um, the the issue that you're wrestling with, with fear and then looking at where you're serving now, it's just amazing. It's all credit to, to God, you know, like I, in that initial moment when he called me, like there, obviously there's that reverence, there's that power, but right afterwards there's that fear you know Mm. like oh my goodness like i'm just 12 years old like this calling seems so insane like it seems so out there and i'm just this very small person and if you saw me physically i was a very small person (laughs) that was was before you were in the gym and all that yeah yeah nobody (laughs) none of the audience can see me so just (laughs) no like I, i i was very small and and i felt very small and I, I wrestled with that calling and um, it wasn't until I realized like, and God had to work with me that just as I took a small step outside of my comfort zone to step out of the aisle and to step down into, uh, into that altar, that's exactly what the pursuit of that call is. It's not mm-hmm. like you just start jumping ahead. It's just a bunch of little steps that you realize when you look back, you're like, oh my goodness, like this is how far God has taken me. I never would have imagined coming this far, but mm. thankfully, little step at a time, God has been with me to kind of guide me on this way. So that's a bit of your journey. Um, would your advice be similar to someone who is, is feeling a call to missions or how, what, what further advice would you give them beyond uh, taking the journey one step at a time? Yeah, I would say, I would say the, the first thing like for myself that really helped me was um, I, I, I talked to somebody mm-hmm. about that calling for me. It was, it was my youth pastor at the time, but he would later be on, become my mentor. Um, I would say the most important thing that someone that feels called to missions is talk to somebody, talk to your pastor, talk to somebody that's in spiritual authority, talk to, if you have a mentor, talk to your mentor. And the reason why I say that is because if you've just experienced this call of God, God has spoken to the potential that you have to serve within his kingdom. And that's an incredible thing because now you, you realize that, you know what, if I, if I pursue this, that great things are going to take place. Mm. But 
the enemy also knows of your potential and he will do everything in his power to stop you from reaching that. And for me at that altar call, I had this experience, but as soon as it was over, like I, I remember wrestling with fear almost immediately, wrestling with my own rationalism, wrestling with my own intellect, trying to figure out, well, how on earth is this? What does this actually mean? And almost trying to dismiss it. And it wasn't until my youth pastor came up to me and he started praying for me. Um, and, and later on, I began to talk with him that that support was able to come in that affirmation, yeah. that confirmation that comes from that spiritual authority came in. So that is the first thing that I would say, talk to somebody, they would hold you accountable. They're going to celebrate with you, but they're going to give you practical steps, um, how to go on. I think the second thing that I would say just to be complimentary to that is that if you feel that you have a call to missions, um, you need to be doing something about that. And I don't mean like you just, now you feel a call to missions. You're going to buy a plane ticket. And you're, gonna, <laughs> <laughs> you're just going to go across the world. Let's your passport go. And your Bible. It's time. <laughs> Let's go. Let's, <laughs> Let's do this. I, like what I mean by that is if you, you, if you, if you don't have proper spiritual disciplines in your life now, if you are not reaching out to people around you and, and, and trying to share the gospel with them, if you're not, stepping outside of your comfort zone and maybe even trying to do Bible studies or something that while you're in your native environment, while you're in your uh, an environment that you're familiar with, where you can speak the language, where you know the people. Um, my pastor said it to me, he's like, you can't expect to do that in a field where everything is foreign. Yeah. It's not just going to miraculously come into being. Mm. Actually, what happens when you go on the field is God develops those core, develops those core things in your life and grows them to greater levels of contextualization and, and, and opportunity when you're on the field. But while you're home, if you've got that burden and you've talked to your pastor and you submitted to them and they're challenging you to step beyond and do all these different things, also look at the opportunities that are around you. Look at the people in the communities that need the gospel. Look at areas in your own life that maybe you need to grow a little bit deeper in, whether it's prayer or fasting or Bible study or Bible reading like or consistency. Um, yeah, I would say those are probably the two big steps mm -hmm. that if you feel like you have a call to missions that I would, I really focus on. Yeah. We had a, a veteran missionary on the podcast and he said something similar in regards to, um, your disciplines. You know, he's he said, I, I think he said, um, your disciplines won't just show up once you get off the plane. Like it has to be developed before, <laughs> before that, you know, and it's like, yeah. we feel like, um, you know, once we get there, then something amazing is going to happen in like this mantle or something's going to fall on us. And now descend from the sky, now we're heroes, yeah. you know, but, <laughs> but, uh, no, that has to be developed. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, one thing I've known through, throughout my relationship with you over the last few years is that, um, uh, you have a great emphasis on prayer. You talk to me about, you know, I'm praying for you and, and it's earnest. It's not like the throwaway praying for you, bro, sort of thing. But it's actually like what specifically, so on, we're covering you in prayer, that sort of thing. Um, can you speak on the importance of prayer in your personal walk with God? Uh, obviously, we know prayer is important, but um, to you personally, what does that look like? Yeah, absolutely. Um Prayer for me is, well, it, it, it's very important to me. And I, I, I would say that it was, it wasn't always important. 
if I could be 100% transparent here today. Um, it wasn't always a priority. It wasn't always a, a, even though I was raised in the church and, you know, I was baptized, had the Holy Ghost, all these things. Um, it wasn't always a priority in my life. Um, it wasn't until I remember there's a specific moment and period in my life. Uh, I think I was in high school during this time where I, everything in my life that was, that could have fallen apart was falling apart. And any way that I could have been challenged, I was being challenged. And my spiritual life wasn't amazing. Mm. And I felt like there was no hope. I felt like I was done. Like I didn't, I couldn't see the future. I couldn't see what was going on. I felt completely hopeless. And I remember reaching such a low moment and dark moment in my life where I basically, it was like a Hail Mary type of prayer. I just cried out to God. I was like, God, like, I don't know what is going on. I don't know what I can do. I don't know what the future is. Questioning everything at this moment. Um, I need you. Like I, like, I know that you've called me to do something, but in this moment, I need you. And that was probably, I, I look back on that and I would say that was one of the most life-changing prayers mm. that I've ever prayed. And I, and it didn't even feel like a prayer. It, it, it felt more like a, 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 a desperate cry, yeah. you know, but the thing that was crazy is that God heard that and he responded and he, and he poured into me all, all what, what I had felt so hollow and so cold and so dark, he poured into me love and, and joy and all these things that I, that I, that I didn't have for such a, a long period of time because I had isolated myself away from him, mm. which I realized that after, but what I would say, going back to your question, but the importance of prayer in my walk with God and from that moment was that that was such a defining moment because it realized that from prayer, prayer is my lifeline in everything that I do. If I, if I don't have prayer, then I cannot survive like in this life because I, I tried to do it on my own and I miserably failed and, I, and everything went wrong. So I realize that I desperately need to be connected to Jesus mm. in everything that I do. Mm, that's good. And why do you feel that people struggle to pray? Like you, you mentioned growing up in church, I myself grew up in church and, you know, we're told about prayer. People talk about prayer all the time. If you're a preacher or a pastor, prayers mentioned <laughs> at least monthly, <laughs> you know, the importance of it, that sort yeah. of thing. Um, we have prayer meetings, we have uh, prayer and fasting times, and yet people struggle to pray. Struggle to pray. Why, why do you think that is? Well, I'll, hmm, that's a great question. I'll, I'll speak to it for myself and maybe hopefully as a human being, it might apply to other people mm -hmm. as well. Um, I think there's two areas Two, two really big reasons why people struggle with prayer and why I struggle with prayer. Uh, the first thing is that I think I, I, I struggled with it because I treated prayer like a task. So as I was getting older, I, I was like, okay, prayer is something that I have to be doing. Like I need to be doing it. So, you know, I would have the reminders list or I'd have my calendar or I have just something or an agenda. And I would write down all the different things that I need to do that day and prayer would be like one of the first things that I have to do that's on my list of things to do. And well, the problem with that is that when I started looking at prayer as just another task that I needed to do, the issue is that sometimes at the end of the day, I don't finish all the tasks that are on my list. And sometimes um, 
I prioritize other tasks ahead of uh, ahead of some other tasks. Or if I'm really busy, or maybe if I'm sick, or maybe if I'm not really feeling good, if I didn't sleep very good, well, all of a sudden certain tasks don't get done. And I found myself over time on this slippery slope where prayer was constantly being the task that was cut. Mm. It was constantly being um, pushed down to the bottom. So my spiritual life in that time of prayer, it wasn't a regular thing that was happening because I just thought it was, it was a task. It was just something that I had to, had to check off on my list to, to do. Um, so that'd be the first thing. The second thing that I would say that maybe people struggle with is that when they think of prayer, I think they think of prayer as one specific thing. And maybe they, for me, for a long time, I always, I always was like, prayer is just, it's like intercession, you know, you've got this list of people and things and needs that you got to pray for. And you just, you have, nope, like I said, another list, maybe I like this a lot, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but um, it's just a list and you got to just got to go through lists and check it all off. And hopefully you hit a certain time or a certain breakthrough. And that's what prayer is. I, I would say that that's an issue because intercession is a part of prayer it's a very important part of prayer but it's a it's a part of prayer it's not that's what prayer is i would say that prayer ultimately is your communication with god it's 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 the the basis of your relationship with him so it's also you spending time with him and talking with him and and asking him things and opening up about stuff that's in your life and looking for guidance. And maybe if you're struggling or if you're frustrated, you, you're, you, you're, you're venting or you're, you're opening yourself up to him. It's prayer is so much di more diverse and so much more deep than just these little sections that we sometimes think that that's just what prayer is. I don't no, know. I think that, that's, that I think that's great. <laughs> how did you, how did you develop a consistent prayer life? Because it sounds like, as you mentioned, you're task oriented, and then you're having to uh, make a decision. This is no longer a task. This is something that you know is is a must. It's not something that's an option. So, how did you How did you build a consistent prayer life? I would say that I'm I'm still building a consistent prayer life. <laughs> I don't I don't think I've really like. I don't know what the standard <laughs> is of reaching that, but I, 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 you know, the mountaintop, so to speak, but I would say I'm still climbing that mountain, you know, like I'm still trying, but one of the big things for me was just flipping the perspective of tasks of being task oriented in my prayers um, around and understanding that it is a communication with God. Almost. I had to almost bring myself back to like a Sunday school level of understanding what prayer is to really just have a revelation of what a relationship with Jesus looks like. Um, that prayer is, I'm, I'm gonna talk to him. He wants to hear from me. It, 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 he, wants to, he wants me to know him. That was something that since I was a kid, I was a very curious kid, um, asked a lot of questions. I always wanted to, very inquisitive. Um, and, to, and whenever I read my Bible, I would have lots mm. of questions. And now as I've gotten older, I've realized that you know what, God wants to hear those questions. God is not some abstract being. He's not some absentee father. He's not just this thing that's just, I'm, when I pray, I'm speaking to the air, but I'm talking to someone that's alive. 
I'm talking to someone that hears. I'm talking to someone that cares. Every time I read my Bible and I read about God and how to interact with him, I, the imagery is so apparent to me that he's reaching mm -hmm. for us. You know, it says that he stands at the door of our heart and he knocks, you know, that he is a good father desiring to give good gifts to his children. That if you ask, if you seek, if you, if you knock, you're going to find him. He's right there. And for me, that's a comfort because it means that I don't have to beg for him. I can boldly approach the throne of grace. You know, I can, I can run to my heavenly father and I can engage in a relationship with him and I can talk with him and mm. he's there. So it just, it just, it's just the understanding, I think for me of that God is alive and that he's real and he's desiring to, to know me just as I have a desire to know him. Yeah, that's so good. I, I think that's going to be helpful for a lot of people because as you said, we, we can pigeonhole what prayer is and we can pigeonhole what it means to pray, you know, where it's like, well, it's in the morning and it's for 20 minutes, it's for an hour, whatever. And that's prayer and that's it. But what you've shown us and, and uh, what you've conveyed is that it's a lot more than that. And it's communication throughout the day and it's a communion, uh, a, a relationship with him. Um, how long have you served on the field? How long have you uh, been serving in missions and what's what actually drew you to the region that you're serving in? I would say I've been on the field. So my wife and I have been serving, we transitioned to full-time ministry about three years ago after we got married. Um, prior to that, I went on a little bit of a shorter trip. So about three, three and a half months to Central Asia. And then before that, in my first year of college, I think I was like 19 or 20, I went on an exploratory trip to South Asia. So it's been kind of dispersed over quite a, quite a few years, but I would say actively focused on it. Um, past three years, we've really been, my wife and I have been really on the field. Um, I would say like, as for how we got here or how I got to this area of the world, it started actually um, on that initial trip to South Asia. Um, I was young. I was, you know, I was teaching Bible studies and, and kind of working with the mentorship program in my church. And um, an opportunity came up in North America where they have the, the youth division puts out a list of locations um, for young people. If they want to go on a trip, they can apply. And then if they get accepted, they go on this trip to this different country. And the purpose of it is so that young people from across North America um, can get a sense of what the church looks like in different environments and in different contexts, mm. and also get to see what is it like for a rep that is working um, in those countries with this population? What does it look like for other people that also have the same spirit that's living in them, the same Holy Ghost, same doctrinal beliefs, but they speak a different language. They're from a different culture. What does the church look like in those contexts? So it's a really cool opportunity um, that was there. So I remember my friend and I, we were the only two Canadians, that applied for this trip <laughs> <laughs> and we also wanted to pick the one country there was a lot of countries that were um with with a lot of western um backgrounds mm -hmm. um and there was only one country that was from south asia during that year so we're like we just want to go to the farthest place just to see like, somewhere what... interesting yeah well, <laughs> all places are interesting. Oh, like, yeah, yeah, okay. I don't want to get sure. canceled here. <laughs> but um, 
no, like we wanted to go to this place because it was very different. It was completely outside of our comfort zone. And we're like, let's just do it. So we went to South Asia. And one thing that was very um, special about this particular country is that it was the only country on the list that was an Islamic country. Um, so when we landed there, like everything about the country was completely different than mm. what we, even we were expecting. So obviously culture, obviously language, but even spiritually, it just felt completely different. And we were there for 10 days and we were with the reps and there was other, um, other young people that were on that trip. But I remember during the prayer walks and during the services that were taking place, I found myself praying for this specific group of people that felt that, that, that were from this religious background. And I felt myself having a burden for them because mm. as I looked at their community, as I looked at um, the people that were from this faith, there was such an apparent need for Jesus, for the message of the gospel that was there. And I remember when I went back to Canada and I was talking with my mentor, I was like, man, like, I know God is calling me to the foreign field, but I specifically feel like he's given me a burden to reach or, or to do something with this, with these people that are from this faith background. Mm-hmm. Um, that later went on to my second trip into Central Asia, where I was there for just over three months. And I like to say that the first trip is where God gave me the burden. The second trip is where God showed me that it was possible. Um, I said before that I struggle with fear. I was and anxiety and I'm always a little bit too much into my own head. So I came back home with this burden, but it was for a people that to me, if I can be completely honest, I didn't know anything about, they were completely other, they were completely foreign. And it was, I felt very intimidated. If I can say that I was like, okay, God, you've given me a burden for these people, but I, I have, I don't know anything about them. I don't know. There's all these different, there's a whole bunch of nuances within that, within people from this faith background. Um, I don't know how to reach them. I'm just a kid from Canada. Like, I don't know what Mm. to do. I need to know if it's possible if people from that background can actually experience the same thing that I, that I can. And I know that may sound like a very small amount of faith, but (laughs) God. Yeah. It's real. Yeah. Yeah. Like it it was, it was a real prayer that I prayed. And then I went to central Asia and we worked with um, refugees that were coming from a country within the middle East in central Asia that were coming from that faith background. And we baptized people and people were filled with the Holy Ghost and we were teaching Bible studies to them. And it was in that moment, God spoke to me. He was like, it is, it, it, of course it's possible. Mm. All things are possible. Like, like yeah. my, my word is for everybody. My promise is for everybody. I died for everybody. And it was from that moment that God has kind of just been ordering our footsteps to different countries and different locations that have a large concentration of uh, people of that background. Yeah. And from my experience, like, because of some of the countries that I've traveled in, into um, being based in Australia, you know, we deal heavily um, in Indonesia. We've got a great relationship with the church there. And so we travel into there. I've been there a few times the last couple of years and been into uh, Malaysia and um, parts of the Philippines and these areas that, um, you know, are dominated by Islam. And if you come from a background <laughs> growing up in the States, Australia, Canada, where, you know, it's a Christian dominated society. And yes, we, you know, there are Muslims and, and Sydney, um, we, we actually have uh, quite a, a large population here. Um, but it's different when it's part of the population and then it's, 
it's actually controls the government or it um, it sort of controls society. And you know, areas where you live, it's you know com- completely or, or where you're serving, um, you know, it, it's completely foreign to a lot of us. And I remember being in Indonesia uh, on probably my second trip there, and we actually went into uh, parts of Central Java, which has a lot more um, concentration and a lot more control, right? You know, in Jakarta, it's very much a, a normal, large city, lots of different views, lots of different opinions. Yes, predominantly the religion is, is Islam, but it's very diverse. But you go into these central areas and smaller, and I just remember being in my hotel and there's a call to prayer and it was just like almost overwhelming. I'm just like, well, you know, when you grow up, well, you never heard that. And then you start hearing that, you know, routinely throughout the day. And it's just like, wow, mm-hmm. it's very confronting. Um, but, you know, it's amazing to see God's hand on your life and the, the direction that he has led you uh, and your wife. And, and obviously there's been large changes that have taken place, you know, throughout this journey uh, as, as a young guy coming from Canada. Uh, what were some of the biggest adjustments that you've had to take transitioning onto the field where to start right (laughs) where 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 do i where i begin there's no maple syrup in the middle east there's no 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 polar bears these are are all stereotypes that i know french (laughs) french um (laughs) oh man here we go um (laughs) what so okay so some of the biggest adjustments that um as a family, we kind of had to deal with. Um, one of the biggest adjustments was, okay, so I'll just kind of do like a, like a contrast of mm-hmm. our life right before we left for the field. Yep. And then when we got to the field, cause that kind of just helps my mind. Mm-hmm. So we got married, um, both my wife and I, we were working, we finished school, we're working in the professions that we had studied for, for the past like four or five years. Um, and God had, blessed us like he had blessed us uh in our jobs he had blessed us with provision he had blessed us with um, our family was close by so we and our friends were close by Um, we were were living very close to our church as well so commuting was not an issue at all we were in a we were we were very blessed and we were very comfortable um before and then you know we felt like god had when God gave us the direction, okay, it's time to, to get ready. I blessed you with all this, all these different things. Uh, and I prepared you. So now it's time for you to go into the Middle East. Um, that was a big transition because all of a sudden we went from a place where, uh, if I can be honest, like we were, God was providing for us, but we were self-reliant financially mm-hmm. because we yeah, were both yeah. working. We weren't depending on other people to, to kind of give us any, any financial support. Um, we had our friends and family close by, so we can always just, if we were feeling lonely or if we just wanted to hang out or grab a coffee or connect with somebody, we could just call them up or just, just go down the street even and, and see them. And then we went halfway, went to the other side of the world where nobody spoke our language. Um, we were completely dependent upon, um, the giving of the body. Um, God blessed us with, um, some very amazing people. Uh, very close, very, very amazing people that developed into very close friends of ours uh, to this day, which you met as well when you when you were taking your trip there. Um, but it, it completely changed. It, it, we went from a place of almost being independent 
to being completely dependent, not just on God, but also upon the body as a whole. Because mm. without the, we, I, I think I really realized like how important it is to be connected to the body. You yeah. know, when Paul talks about like, if, if, if a part of the body is, is separated, well, it just dies, you know, it doesn't have anything, but it needs to be connected to live. And when we were overseas, it was, I found myself like every time someone would like message me, maybe in Canada, like I, it, it, it didn't mean as much or I didn't appreciate it as much. But when I was overseas, it was like every time a friend or someone would reach out to me, it meant so much to me because it was mm-hmm. like, oh, there's someone out there that that's engaging with me. Or whenever someone would uh, would feel inclined to, you know, to to support us financially, it meant so much because it was like, well, there's there's income because we need to live. We need we need to be able to survive and to work over here. And the fact that people would have a would catch a burden and also align themselves to what God is doing that meant so much but it was that was a really big adjustment just yeah. comparing those two um I would say the second biggest adjustment oh sorry I was just gonna say so you guys aren't uh because you're full-time in ministry you're not able to actually work within the fields that you train for is that right yeah as of right now we're we're not I went to school for electrical engineering um and I worked in that field, uh, leading up, mm-hmm. uh, also as an electrician, my wife, uh, studied architecture and she, she was working in that field leading up as well, but on the field, like we're just this past season of life, we were just students. We went to, we were studying the local language at a university. And then our main focus is to work with the local population, to work with an established work that is here to disciple them and to train them. Cause that's why we're here. We don't, we, we can't kind of, um, you can't diversify yeah, our, yeah, because it takes away from from the purpose of, yeah, why, of we're, course, yeah. why we're here. Yeah, I mean, it's like being a yeah. bivocational pastor as opposed to being someone who can do it full time. You know, that's, that is a huge difference because <laughs> your attention can be on the church all the time. Mm-hmm. And it's a blessing. Like mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm so thankful that uh, that the body is willing has has made it possible for people to be able to go overseas. And to not have to worry about, you know, like, what are we going to eat? What yeah. am I going to do? Like, what, like, where am I going to go? Like, just actually take care of those things. So that's, that's been a huge blessing to be able to focus on that. Um, the second th- biggest adjustment would be uh, in our lives is that the winds kind of looked different. Um, and what I meant by that is that I think beforehand, I might have had some preconceived ideas of like what it looks like, you know, like I'm going to get there. I'm going to like teach a bajillion Bible studies and like we're going to have like stadiums full of people. And, you know, there's there's countries where that's happening and that's something that we we need to celebrate mm-hmm. and we need to be thankful because I think that as a body, when one when one of us wins, when one of us comes to face, like all of heaven rejoices is what it says. So we all rejoice with that. But I found so, myself also sorry, sorry to interrupt you, but um, yeah. so did Brother Shalom visit your church? Is that is that where you got those dreams from? <laughs> his stories are incredible, man. I hear his stories about Pakistan. You're just like, what? <laughs> He's amazing. Oh my goodness, the guy is phenomenal, and I love I love Brother Shalom. He he is an inspiration. Like that is. Like yeah. when when I read like Paul says like imitate me as I imitate Christ. Yeah. Like, that's what I think about so like that's incredible that these things are taking place Mm -hmm. and like it's such an encouragement as being part of the body that you know like these things are happening Mm -hmm. um 
but I also realized that, you know what, everything there, there's a lot The winning is a spectrum. Oh yeah. Is what I, what I realized. And you can probably speak to this cause you're, I think you're, you're pastoring now. I think it was what you're, what you're telling me. Mm-hmm. And, um, the win, the wins is our spectrum. So yeah, like someone's going to get the Holy ghost. And like, that's something that, you know, we love that and we're going to celebrate that and we're going to rejoice over that. But I'm also going to celebrate. I learned, I also have to celebrate when someone says, I want to have a Bible study or when someone it's their first time. And this happened in our, in our local service um, about four or five months when we were here, it was our first time when a couple people from a very orthodox uh, belief system, it was their first time raising their hands in service and and worshiping God out loud, Mm. out loud with their own voice. And that was huge. That was a massive breakthrough. And I'm thankful because God has been leading me through this process to understand that, you know what? It's growth. Yeah. You know what? Like when, when, when you plant a seed, you can't just immediately expect it to grow into like this massive tree, mm. but you got to understand there's roots that are taking place. It's sprouting up. You know, you're going to celebrate when roots are happening. You're going to celebrate when the first leaf grows. The same thing happens with every single believer that's there. It's uh, understanding that like it's God's working. These people are growing. Yeah. I remember uh, as we were, we planted the church this year and we've been having our services and I remember the, you know, we'd have guests for a while and then, we went a few weeks in a row without guests and I come from a church where it's like we have guests every Sunday. It's a revival church, you know, constant people feeling the Holy Ghost and baptized. And I'm like, what are we doing wrong? And then it's just <laughs> like, I just like refocused and I was like, oh yeah, like yeah. The, just having service and having these people who are new to faith or returning to their faith you know, being in service, worshiping, fellowshipping, hearing the word of God, learning something new, you know, like each week that I'm preaching something or someone's preaching something at church on a Sunday, there are people there hearing that for the first time, something that we've taken for granted growing up in church and, and hearing it for the last me 30 something years. Um, you know, like for example, this Sunday I'm preaching on repentance. Very simple. I'm going to be spending 20 to 30 minutes preaching specifically on repentance, but there will be people there that don't understand that concept. They've heard the word. I've definitely preached it, but they may not fully understand what that means. Mm-hmm. And the fact that they'd be able to grasp that is huge because if you understand repentance, then you understand you know, something that's so uh, foundational to your Christian walk and it also gives you the opportunity uh, to share that with others, you know, if you're witnessing it with someone. And so, like, having to recalibrate that in a smaller setting and if, you know, I can imagine where you're coming from uh, in the conversations you're allowed to have and, you know, what you're allowed to do. Uh, you know, I had, I had a, another friend of yours on here, and we were talking about that, and he, he mentioned something similar, and his is even more restrictive, and it was like, um, yeah, it's like it brings reality back into focus, you know. It's like not every Sunday mm-hmm. is going to be phenomenal, but if you can focus on growth and, and be intentional about providing a space for people to grow. You know, it's amazing what God will do over time. Absolutely. I wanted to ask you uh, this. Um, you, you've touched on a little bit here and there, and, and I'm sure you can't go into great detail, obviously. Um, but would you mind sharing a little bit about some testimonies of how God has been 
uh, using you and your wife or, or how he's moving in the region of the world that you're in? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I, I want to say, first of all, that God is working in this area of the world. Um, it may not be um, on the radar or the purview of a lot of people and on in North America or in Australia, um, in, in Western countries. I know it definitely wasn't on mine before I actually got over here, but it's very apparent that God is working and that he is everywhere. The omnipresence and power of God is, is everywhere. He's just as a, at work in, in Canada and in the States and Australia as he is in all across the Middle East, Central Asia, South Asia, Africa, you name it, he's, he's working. Um, I'll kind of do a zoom out and then I'll zoom into to some stuff that's happened locally with us. But as a whole, in our, in our area of the world, we're seeing, we went through a season of prayer and fasting um, throughout our region where a couple of the other reps and other believers that were, um, that are with us all joined together in prayer and fasting for, for things to begin to change because there's a lot of issues that are happening in our area of the world right now. Um, there's wars that are going on. There's rumors of wars. There's uh, on top of that, there's a lot of humanitarian crises. There's a lot of tension that's existing uh, in this area of the world. So we join together in prayer because we need Jesus. This world desperately needs Jesus. When you talk to people on the street, they don't have hope. They don't see hope. They're very fearful and they're very afraid. So we begin to pray about this. Um, and we specifically begin to pray that God would reveal himself to people that are searching for him, people that are reaching for him, almost like a Cornelius type of prayer that, you know, this guy who didn't really have a complete understanding of who God was, but he, you know, he maybe had a mustard seed of faith and he was reaching towards God that he had this revelation of who God was and direction to, um, to, to find people that could disciple him. We, we were, we were praying that because a lot of times people from this particular background, this particular faith background, um, Islamic background, um, they come to faith through dreams mm. and through visions. Exactly what we read about in the book of Acts is exactly what these people experience. And that's often how they come to faith. So we were praying that. And just recently in a service in uh, one of the churches in the capital here, um, there is a lady that started coming from a background like this. And, uh, and it was because she had a dream and she was, she received the Holy ghost, all these different things. She's going through discipleship right now. And her story, I believe is one of many, I believe that there are many people throughout this region of the world that are experiencing those dreams and those visions and are, and God is sending people to them. Maybe I don't know about them specifically, but I know that they are happening. Um, in a local sense, I mentioned before that we had two ladies that come from an Orthodox, Orthodox Christian faith, because um, there's some people here that are that are Christian, but they're from a very Orthodox uh, belief system of Christianity. Um, recently, we're raising their hands and praying in a service um, that happened on Pentecost service, actually. So we had this amazing message that was preached. Um, and these ladies, we've been working with a small group of people within our, our work um, through fundamental doctrine, you know, oneness of God, the new birth, holiness, all these things. And it was in the lead up towards uh, Pentecost Sunday. And it was on Pentecost Sunday that God, the power of God moved in that service. 
And these ladies that had never gotten up before, have never prayed before out, out in the open, um, not only stood up and raised their hands, but they actually went up to the front and we were able to pray for them. Um, that was yeah. a huge win. That was, I, I, I cannot tell you <laughs> how much of a breakthrough that was. Cause up until this point, we've been, we've been having, we've been trying to do prayer. We've been doing discipleship. We've been trying to do these things, but th- it was almost like we're, we're pushing against a wall. There's like a spiritual wall that we were fighting against. And in that moment, it was like breakthrough mm. took place. From that moment, the reason why I say it's a testimony is because from that moment, we have been able to launch, um, we call them one, one, one service a, a month. We do a focused prayer service where it's just, we're just going to get together. We're going to go through the needs that are existing within our community, within our country, within our region, within the lives of the people in our church. And we're just going to pray. We're going to pray for 30 minutes, 45 minutes where there was a wall to pray for five minutes, like four or five months ago, we've got people from this work that are now leading wow. these prayers that are not actively engaging in them that bring that when there's things that are going on in their community, they bring that forward mm. for prayer because they believe that um, change can happen. I had a young guy recently who also, he's coming from a, a very Orthodox background who talked about, who approached me and said, you know what? He's like, I want to start praying for the Holy ghost, which was huge because from where he comes from, he doesn't believe that that's a requirement of, of right. salvation. So these are, these are things that God is doing. Uh, in another sense, there's a couple that God has led us to that are, um, they're not from an Orthodox background, but they're from uh, an Islamic faith background that God has led us to. And we've been, uh, building a relationship and a connection with them over the course of this year uh, since we've been in this country. And there has been a couple times, but most recently they invited us over for breakfast and we get over to their house for breakfast and we find that there's another family there, very prominent family uh, within their community. That's also with them for breakfast. And they're very knowledgeable about their belief system. So we're like, okay, well let's just hang out and we'll eat and we'll see what, what's going to happen. Well, over the course of breakfast, God opened a door for us to not just talk about the oneness of God, but also talk about the message of the gospel um, to this people. Um, at this point, that is a yeah. win. That's a huge win. That seed that's being thrown, and we pray that it finds good ground. Um, but these are the these are the testimonies, these are the celebrations that that I'm at least and my wife and I are celebrating um, within our life. That's awesome. And, and thank you so much for sharing that with us. Um, and as I said, I know you can't go into great detail, but uh, it's amazing hearing that. And, um, you know, maybe those who are listening to the podcast will start uh, focusing their prayer in this region and, and uh, praying for specific things and praying, you know, that revelation would come to people and that, um, you know, who knows how many people listening to this may have never prayed for this part of the world, but yet the, as a outside of praying for Jerusalem, um, but maybe they'll pray for, for other things and, uh, pray for yeah. revelation to take place in, in these other communities because, um, there are people there serving. And I know, uh, some of the reason why we may not hear much out of what's happening 
in the Middle East is because you guys really aren't allowed to share it uh, because you, know, you have to be protected and, and so on and so forth. It's just amazing uh, to know that I've got friends that are over there serving God and, and doing the best that they can you know, with what God has blessed them with. Uh, I, I joke with people when I talk about some of you guys. It's like when I first met you for the first time, it was like uh, coming up on people you work for CIA or something. You know, you guys are all well put together, and it's like these guys are undercover. You know, it's so cool. Um, but and then you meet us, and it's like yeah. <laughs> they're just normal. <laughs> they're not superheroes. Uh, no, but uh, it, it's awesome. You know what you guys are doing. And of course, you're not in a comfortable situation. You're in a difficult one. Um, you've you've willingly put yourself there from a comfortable situation, as you've already shared from your background before you went onto the field. Um, how were you able to rise above that challenge? Because many people struggle with that. You know, they want to serve God. They want to do something for God. But then, when that opportunity arrives, when that door opens, there's that hesitancy because everything's going to be different. So how did you rise above that? Yeah. Um, for me, it it was kind of a defining moment. Um, it goes back to that that point when you asked me about prayer. Um, when, I, when I was in that extremely low moment in my life where nothing was really going the way that I planned or wanted it to, uh, and despite me trying the best that I could to make it work, um, when, when God responded to my cry, I promised him, I said, you know what, like my, I, I recommitted my life to him. I was like, you know what, whatever you want me to do, wherever it is, I'm, I'm in, like, I, I may not know all the details. I may not know what it may look like, but I don't have anything apart from you. I don't, um, cause he saved me. Mm. He, he's, he, he, he literally saved me. He pulled me back from, from the brink. And um, that has, from that moment forward, um, anytime I, I, cause I still wrestle with fear. I still wrestle with anxiety. That part of my life is, I, I wish I could say that it's disappeared. I would say that it's, it's just continuously put back on the altar. <laughs> Sometimes even multiple times a day, I have to, I have to give that back to Jesus and, and allow him to, to give me the strength to go on. But every time that I face an uncomfortable situation or I'm faced with a choice to follow him into an uncomfortable situation, I'm reminded of that promise that I made to him. Mm. But I'm also reminded of the fact that it is such a tremendous privilege to be a part of whatever God is desiring to do. Like God is not dependent upon me. God is not dependent upon any single person within this world. Like he's God. <laughs> He's God. <laughs> that's, that's the reality. If anything, us as his creation have such a tremendous opportunity and blessing and privilege to be a part of whatever God is desiring to do. And if he's desiring to, to work with us and partner with us into whatever ministry that he's calling us into, into whatever field that he's calling us into, then I want to, I want to do that. Like, I want to, I want to, I want to walk with him. I will, I will walk with God as far as he is willing to take mm. me because what I've realized is that it's not God that necessarily sets limitations on us. It's us that sets limitations on him. You know, 
So I, true. I felt challenged whenever, when I read right now, I'm reading through, um, I, I, my Bible plan. I'm, I'm in Romans right now. And every time I read Paul, I remember I was like, man, like, I wish there was more Paul <laughs> that were, I, I, I wish, I wish I could get a time machine and like kidnap Paul and bring him <laughs> to like 21st century, <laughs> you know, like I wish there was Paul's today, but then I was like, I felt convicted and I was like, well, why? Like, I believe that God had a special calling for Paul, but I also believe that, you know what, there's a potential like, cause Paul discipled Timothy mm-hmm. and Timothy was an absolute beast in, 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 in terms of how he discipled people in his evangelism. But he was also someone that struggled with fear immensely. And Paul wrote to that. And the difference between maybe Paul and the difference between Timothy and what I had to realize between myself and maybe some other people that are listening to this is that maybe sometimes we limit how much God is willing to take us to. We limit how far God is, God is trying to get us to go to places that maybe even Paul and Timothy had never even gone to before. But if we just stay within the little box of what we think is comfortable, we'll never get there. Mm. We'll never see those things. We'll never, there, we'll never be able to reach. Paul was an apostle to the Gentiles. There's tons of other, now there's people groups that people are looking at right now. There's tons of people and, and tribes and ethnos that are in this world that need the message of the gospel that maybe God is calling people to. But if we just stay with what is comfortable, how will we be able to see that? Like, how will we be able to part? Like, mm. this is a privilege that we need to take a hold of. You know, like, I don't know if that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, no, that's awesome. That's so good because, like, Paul didn't arrive to where he was the next day, as we talked about at the beginning of this conversation. You know, it was step by step, moment by moment, time over time. You know, people that we look up to, people in ministry, people that I've had on this podcast, they didn't arrive where they were, where they're at today, the next day, you know. It, it took a lifetime of growth. It took years. Paul, it took years of uh, growth and, and attitude adjustments and temperament adjustments and dealing with people that he necessarily didn't want to deal with and uh, communicating with people that um, at the beginning of his life would, would have been people he would have never communicated with. But over time, God changed his heart. God changed the direction of his life and and continue to pour into him as he poured into others. And yeah, the, the, the fact that you're pointing to that we limit ourselves is, is so big. And it's something that I've really tried to come back to on this podcast over the last six to nine months as the limitations have adjusted in my own personal life. It's like we are really tamping down what God wants to do in us simply by the limitations that we place on ourselves, you know? Mm. Absolutely. I think it's, uh, it's almost like perspective shifting. Mm. It's once, once you realize that it's not God that's limiting, like limiting me, it's me. That's almost limiting, limiting what God wants to do in my life. All of a sudden it gives you almost a freedom to just be like, well, you know what? I'm just going to run. I'm just going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm just going to dive in as far as God is willing to take me. Like, I'm just going to go. And because I know that he's got me, yeah. you know, it's like Peter stepping out of the boat, like God's got me to step out into something that's maybe does it defies all the rationale defies all what what people may say or what I may think or, or, or the laws of physics or whatever. But with God, everything is possible. Mm. And not only is everything possible, he's going to support me and he's going to be there with me. 
Yeah, it's so good. I like to ask this question to everyone who comes on the podcast, so you can't escape it. Everyone has to answer this one. Um, when it comes to ministry, what is it that drives you? What is it that is that driving force for you? That's a good question. <laughs> I it's would my, say it's my favorite um, one. <laughs> <laughs> it's the golden question. Uh, <laughs> man, um, what drives me? I would say this is driving me super anticlimactic, but what drives me is my relationship with God. Um, yeah, what drives me is my relationship with God um, because I've, I'm still learning and I'm still, still growing. I don't have all the answers and I'm not very old nor very seasoned. So I'm still trying to figure a lot of things out, but what I've realized so far and what I've learned from other people is that if I, how do I say this? If, if what drives me is ministry, if what defines me is ministry, then what happens when that ministry changes? If my identity is the ministry that I serve in and my identity is not my relationship with God, then I've, then I've built my relation. I built my identity on something that is not stable. Right. Um, and what I mean by that is that it's from your relationship with Jesus. It's from the time that you spend from him. Everything else is going to flow from that. If, if, you know, I think if, if he's, what is it, the vine and we're the branches or something like that, if, if I'm connected to him, then the byproduct of me being connected to him is that whatever I'm in, whatever I'm doing is going to bear fruit. If my relationship with him is healthy, everything else that comes out of that will be healthy. And the reason why I say when it comes to like, when, when I think about this, when it comes to ministry is because seasons change. And that's been particularly true for, for my wife and I, because, you know, one moment we were in Canada and we were serving in a certain capacity. And the next minute we were in a different country. And today I'm in, my wife and I are in a, another country and in each of these seasons of life we're still serving but we're serving in a different way in a different capacity and i often think about that if my identity was you know i'm i'm just a teacher like that's all i'm going to be doing is teaching well then i've limited what god desires to use me in i've limited where how far god can grow me in and 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 develop certain things in my life because maybe if Maybe today I'm a teacher, but maybe God puts me in a different environment and now I'm pastoring mm -hmm. or in another time I'm also evangelizing or, or all these different areas that I'm now able to flow in because I said at the beginning, God, what defines me is you. Mm -hmm. What defines me is my relationship with you. Everything else is going to flow, uh, flow from that. Wherever you put me, I know that I'm going to be okay because I have you. Yeah, that's awesome. That's a great answer. And, and um, this has been an awesome conversation. I knew it would be. I'm grateful that we were able to uh, get it lined up and, and uh, you know, the t with the time difference and, and everything going on in your life and my life. So glad we were able to actually get this recorded. And this is going to be a huge blessing to the audience and to those who are listening. And I hope it's a, it's a episode that you return to. Uh, those of you who are feeling that call to do something deeper, that you 
respond to it, that it's not just something that you feel, but it's, it's something that you actually take that step and, and, and start that journey. Um, I like to give every guest the opportunity to, to finish the episode by sharing a parting word. Uh, so I'll leave that up to you to finish up the podcast. Thank you again for your time today and for joining us uh, on the show. Thank you. Um, I want to just pray for you all, um, for everyone that's listening right now. Um, I touched on the fact that one of the biggest things that I wrestle with is fear and anxiety. And um, I know that if you feel like you have a call, whether it is to go to the form field or if it is to serve within a local capacity in your church, or even if it's just to like, you feel like you got to just to reach the person that you're at work with or that you are, that's in your school. And I'm, I know that can be really scary to do that. If this is the first time that you've ever done something like that, or even invite them to your youth group or to your church, um, maybe you're wrestling with fear and maybe you're wrestling with anxiety, but I just want to pray for you guys and let you know that no matter what fear you're facing, God is bigger. And that, that doesn't disqualify you from God's call in your life. That doesn't, remove you just because you have some thoughts and some doubts that doesn't remove you from God's will. That's perfectly, perfectly normal. But what needs to happen is that you need to surrender those thoughts and those fears to him and ultimately understand that what his purpose is for your life is greater than any fear that you may face. And the potential that you have within the kingdom is something that the enemy is afraid of. And if he's afraid, well, you don't have to be afraid of anything. <laughs> so I just want to pray for you all uh, right now. God, I thank you all for this opportunity. I thank you, God, for what you've done in in my life and in my family's life. But God, I know that there's so many more people, oh Lord, out there, Lord, that, that you are calling to them, Lord, that you have a purpose for them, that you are reaching for them, oh God, and you're calling them to step beyond their comfort zones and to, to stop rationalizing, oh God, what, what the calling may look like in their life and may and stop rationalizing, oh God, what their abilities are, but just to trust themselves to you. Jesus, I pray right now, whoever it is, oh God, that this calling is upon, that is wrestling with fear, I pray that their fear would be bound. But I pray, Lord, that you would not just comfort them, but I pray, Lord, that you would pour into them boldness. I pray, God, that you would open their eyes to see the burden and the need of the people that are around them. And I pray, God, that you would give them a love. O oh Lord, for perfect love casts out all fear, that you would give them a love that comes directly from you. A love, O oh God, that is for the people, O oh Lord, that so desperately need you. A love, O oh God, that will push them beyond the fears and the walls that they've built up. God, I pray, hold them in your hands. Strengthen them, God, I pray. And Lord, let them go forward into this great harvest, O oh God, as laborers for you. I thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name.